The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the OCD and Anxiety podcast by Robert James Coaching. Before we get going today, just a quick reminder to find out more about me and my coaching services, uh, you can go to my website www.robertjamescoaching.com. And uh, today we have another episode of the OCD autobiographies and I interview um, a lady called Windsor Flynn. She's been struggling with OCD since she had her first child. And um, the OCD has also kind of gone on to to different areas of her life as well. And she's experienced different types of anxiety related to it. We discuss some of her experiences of um, therapy, uh, both good and bad. We also look at the difficulties of um, parenting when you have OCD. She tells us about ERP and how that's helped her. And also uh, using mindfulness that's been really important for her uh, in, in learning how to manage OCD in a more effective way. She also has a blog where she uh, discusses both her own and other people's experiences of dealing with OCD and anxiety. At the moment, she's trying to focus on how people from different cultures may experience OCD in a different way. To find out more about Windsor Flynn, you can check out her website at www.windsorflynn.com or you can check her out on Instagram at windsor.flynn. It's a really great conversation and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. Many thanks. Hi, Windsor Flynn. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Absolutely great. Sat here in the mountains today and, uh, you know, here in the camper van enjoying the fresh air. So to start off with, could you tell us a little bit more about um, when OCD kind of first showed up for you? I found out that I had OCD in... 2016 after the birth of my first child I went in for violent intrusive thoughts um and I went to see a maternal mental health specialist who actually knew nothing about OCD she kept trying to talk about my parents divorce and any past trauma that I had other friends and stuff Mm. um but her the reassurance that I got from her which was basically, you know, that I wasn't actually going to kill my son was enough. It like helped me enough to just kind of drop that fear enough to stop therapy after a few months. Hmm. And then I was able to, I still had, you know, low level anxiety because all my other obsessions that were not as bothersome were still like very rampant, but it wasn't like about murdering anyone. So I wasn't, it didn't feel as urgent um okay Okay. so I was able to get pregnant again yeah and um this time my OCD showed up in another super scary way which was I thought I was going crazy like I had spent so much time 
preparing myself to not get OCD again. Yeah. That I was like looking for intrusive thoughts, right? And then since I was looking for intrusive thoughts, I was also looking for other things that might possibly be harmful. And then it eventually turned into me just looking for signs that things were actually real, that I was actually living in real life. And so it scared me a lot. And I had no idea it was OCD. I had an inkling, like a teeny tiny bit, but that part I wasn't listening to because it was too rational, right? It wasn't loud. My OCD was much louder. So I um, had an OCD specialist and she's just been the best thing ever. She confirmed, she was like, yes, this is OCD. And since seeing her, I've you know, up until this pandemic started, I could have said that I was pretty much recovered, mostly. Fantastic. So how yeah. so how did you get in touch with this specialist? Was it the, the initial lady that you started working with eventually decided that you'd be better off working with a specialist? Or was it kind of through your own kind of research that you no. found out yourself that, that would be better for you? So my first therapist... I just stopped seeing her. I didn't even have a conversation with her about it. I just sent her an email and was like, you know, I'm not going to see you anymore. Because she Mm. was very expensive, almost $170 an hour. And she didn't give me any tools. All she wanted to talk about was how I felt when my parents were divorced. And I was like, that's very cool and nice that you want to talk about that. But (laughs) this isn't helping me in my day to day. Yeah. Her advice to me was, well, you should probably just avoid spending time alone with your son since you feel so bad about it. That's the worst possible advice you can give. It was the worst. But I listened to her because I didn't know what else to do. Um, And it did make me feel a little bit better. You know, I didn't avoid him every day because I'm the sole caretaker. My husband's a fireman, so he's... At the time, he was in the fire academy, so he was gone from 6 a.m. to, like, 6 p.m. mostly every day, except for the yeah. weekend. And then sometimes I would just spend the night at my father-in-law's house, but I knew that that was the most help I would get from her, and I just wasn't willing to waste any more money. And I was feeling, okay, at least I know. Someone told me that I wasn't actually a murderer. That's enough for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cancel this lady. Yes, Okay. Okay, so, then, so, so, yeah. so it was helpful in that regard, but in, in, in many other regards, it was actually, you know, kind of maybe could have made the OCD worse for a while. Definitely you know? did. Yeah, yeah. In ways, like secret ways that I didn't know, because since I had spent all that time avoiding, when it came back for like my little relapse or whatever you want to call it, mm. it came back way stronger because I had lost all coping skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And and talking of skills, because you kind of mentioned this as well, you were kind of saying that, you know, you're having to pay all this money for this really expensive therapist Mm -hmm. who was trying to dig around in your history rather than addressing the actual problems that you were struggling with, with these intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Uh, And, um, but when you went, when you actually went to see this, the specialist, uh, what did they actually do then that was different? And, and, you know, I'm guessing it was very much a skills based kind of approach to therapy like what what how did they help you so my first initial visit with her I called her and immediately she helped me because I just knew that she understood me and yeah. I didn't know why but I could just tell within her voice something about she was so compassionate and she had called me at like 9 p.m after listening to my voice message obviously it was probably distraught but she 
I just got this feeling from her. I told my husband immediately after. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she has a family member who has OCD. I just know that she understands me. Yeah. And then my second or my first initial appointment with her, she just threw down all the rules. Like, asked me if I read, asked me if I was able to read, even gave me a list of things, information, informational things, because she mm-hmm. said she was really serious about treating OCD, but that it wasn't easy. And it involved a lot of work from the client as well. And so she basically vetted me to see if I was going to follow through on my end of the bargain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So I knew yeah. she was serious. Yeah. And yeah. then after that, she just taught me a lot, gave me enough reassurance to know that what I was experiencing was not out of the ordinary for someone with OCD. And then just yeah. said that was the end. She would never give me reassurance again. Okay. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. she's the real deal. Yeah. She's helped me. Yeah. Well, at least she told you, you know, and she was absolutely clear on this is how it's going to be. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's really important that the the therapist is clear, I think, and, and tells you kind of what's what. You can't just be like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be like this and it's not going to be that bad, you know, it'll be okay. Because actually, you know, therapy is hard and it does make you have to face, you know, a lot of your fears that you have. So, yeah, I think it's 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 great that she was honest with you like that. Um, and, and so what skills, you know, she was obviously asking you to read a lot. Um, what what kind of things was she asking you to, to read? <clears throat> Well, she had me start off with the mindfulness workbook for OCD Mm. written by Tom Corboy and John Hirschfield, I think. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah. It's amazing. I reference that with most of my posts, you know, Um, but that was a good introduction one because it wasn't scary in, in the beginning, you know, it wasn't really triggering, but it really like explained how OCD works and explained the fringe concepts and explained how all these thoughts are not actually crazy you know they're just on the outer edge of the spectrum of what normal thoughts are and then it it just explained how OCD just put a spotlight on all these and it just made them seem more important and like it explained cognitive distortions and all these different things that your brain does what seems like automatic behaviors but it's not really automatic and so that was really helpful for me because I was able to understand you know on like kind of a scientific level what was happening Mm. and it was a big mystery yeah and then she had me read something by Jonathan Grayson another thing by Reed Wilson just all these superstars in the OCD land. Yeah, it's great. I think um, some, you know, psychological education at the start of uh, of treatment is so helpful because if you can understand, you know, actually what's happening, like you were just saying, what's actually happening with, with the brain, what's happening with these cognitive distortions? Like, yeah. why is it that I get stuck on these thoughts? And to know that actually it's quite normal, you know, mm-hmm. that millions of people around the world like suffer with this you know you're not alone and it's it's um although it isn't you know, the most normal thing lots of people do struggle with it and knowing yeah. that is 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 really helpful uh so yeah i really think that's a good place to start with 
and then and then the work that you were doing after that so you, it sounds like you were very much focused on a mindfulness uh approach to initially anyway to to dealing with yeah. it and uh that's been a big part of my my own recovery from ocd um ongoing recovery because i think mm -hmm. it is management in the long run but um yeah i think it's mindfulness for me in my opinion it's it's kind of like the perfect prescription for ocd it's the perfect kind of philosophy of how to live your life um so that you're ready to deal with ocd whenever it kind of does show up because yeah. So often when, when we're fighting with obsessive thoughts, what we're doing is obviously not allowing and not accepting them to, to be there. And actually when we can learn to do that, we know that they, they tend to take a bit of a back seat and then, you know, often just disappear altogether. So, so sure. the mindfulness, the mindfulness approach was, was pretty, pretty important then for you. Yeah. I mean, she was heavy on mindfulness and then of course, like, when we were getting into ERP, um, exposure and response prevention therapy, mm. it was really helpful to have the mindfulness tools because yeah. then I, when we were exposing to these scary things, um, it was a little bit easier for it to be effective because yeah. I didn't have the initial problem of like, we didn't just jump right into exposures without any skills right I learned all these mindfulness skills so that when we exposed to horrible script writing like all these awful things that could happen yeah able to just not ruminate yeah and it sounds easy to say just not ruminate but you know like I was able to apply the mindfulness mm. and use it to almost accelerate the ERP yeah so you learn how to kind of observe your anxiety without you know so if you were doing the script writing erp for example which is which can be terrifying you know like yeah. just writing just writing the script in itself can be an extremely hard thing to do you know mm -hmm. and um so so what kind of mindfulness skills did you apply to to that when you were experiencing that erp well it was mostly about like um taking the focus away from the content of the thoughts and kind of just observing because for me my anxiety is a lot physical symptoms like mm. I get lightheaded my heart starts to beat really fast like I want to vomit sometimes I'll have like gastro problems or mm. my hands will sweat and I'll just kind of feel like I'll I want to fall over and so like for me, when I would have these intrusive thoughts or anything like that, I would get all these really distressing physical symptoms that would then make me just really scared and it kind of turned into panic. Yeah. And so when I was learning how to just identify those and practice feeling those sensations, they mm. seemed less scary because when... I get any symptom like that, I just automatically assume, because I also have health anxiety, right? So there's like lots of layers. So mm. I automatically assume that this is a horrible thing, something's bad is gonna happen. And so to alleviate my physical symptoms of anxiety, then I would try to get rid of the intrusive thoughts. But once yeah. I was able to, once I learned that, yeah, I, can, I have these physical symptoms, but they're not actually doing anything to me, I can just feel them like even right now maybe I can talk to you and my heart can beat fast but I know that it's a feeling that I can tolerate now yeah 
it just made the ERP that much easier. So like changing my focus from what was happening in my mind to only what was happening in my body and just learning that all those feelings are here, but I can function and exist while that's happening was really helpful for me. Yeah, that's a really important, a really important thing to learn. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and so it sounds like, so panic w- was kind of re- related here as well. The, the, the symptoms of the anxiety and how they made you feel was, was a big part of um, the OCD as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of mental rumination, but also a lot of avoidance of physical symptoms because right. that was scariest part like I was definitely scared of the intrusive thoughts but since if we go back I was also the main caretaker of my son I was also worried that when I had these anxiety attacks or whatever that I could just like fall over and then I was like okay well then now who's going to take care of him so it was like very layered and yeah yeah Yeah, it's, it's amazing how OCD can latch on to different things in different areas. And, and so often, actually, when you think that you've got to the bottom of one problem, uh, it then straight away just goes on to something else, which kind of, in a way, proves that, you know, the original thing that you were worrying about wasn't actually as important as you may have first thought. Because it's so, you know, when you, when you, when you change track so quickly, it, it, really, uh, it really does show you that. Um, okay, and so with the RP... Um, apart from the script writing, was there other things as well, other challenges that you set yourself that were particularly helpful? Yeah, you know, because um, since panic was a big one for me and the physical sensations, one of the things that brings that about, no matter what, I don't even have to try hard, is thinking about driving on the freeway. I think they call them motorways in like England or Europe, but yeah. Um, yeah. driving on the freeway, if yeah. I'm, if I'm a passenger, that would be enough to send me into a tailspin. So I, really? yeah, it, and it's such a good exposure for me because all those feelings that I feel while I'm in the car is how it feels when I'm having an obsessive thought that's really mm. spiraling. So I was able to do driving exposures okay. in of some imaginal scripts because sometimes when writing the scripts you know it's just fake yeah 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 and so the anxiety never gets up there but put me in a car and I'll be up at a nine or ten no problem guaranteed every time yeah 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 so super helpful and then eventually after about a year she started getting me to be behind the wheel and that was like one of the most helpful things because I was like oh my gosh I can I am having the worst time ever of my life. I am panicking 100%. And look at me, I can still drive and I'm actually thinking I can still switch lanes. So kind of put it into perspective with the intrusive thoughts and everything where it was like, okay, I actually can tolerate this. I know that I can because I didn't die in the car or faint or vomit or any of the things that I thought were going to happen. Yeah, um, So that was really helpful. Doing a physical exposure is so helpful. So I think like, even if the exposure doesn't have anything to do with your obsessional content, if you can do something like that, like even maybe public speaking, I know that is really scary for some people, anything that gives you all those physical symptoms that you can actually do, that that helps so much on the um, obsessional side. 
for me anyway. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more, actually. When I was at university, I absolutely hated public speaking. Mm. And uh, the whole way through my degree, I had to like struggle through doing all these um, group presentations. And it was horrible, you know, I was, uh, I was like petrified and like, I, but I never kind of learned to deal with that anxiety because at that time I had OCD. I didn't yeah. know I had OCD. And so I was experiencing all this anxiety and I didn't know what it was and I was always fighting with it. And it was just, you know, I just had to kind of, you know, uh, just get on with it and try and deal with it as best as I could. But yeah, I didn't know anything about mindfulness then. I didn't know any of the skills I do now for how to deal with anxiety problems. So mm-hmm. it was a lot, it was a lot, lot harder um, to deal with back then. Um, but then I kind of, I, I don't know, I'm, I then trained as a teacher later in life, which is oh, kind of ironic because I ended up spending like, a lot of yeah exactly so i ended up having to you know get used to it anyway and just um you know just just do it so i kind of i got used to that and i overcame it through through just doing it a lot um Mm -hmm. and and through doing anything a lot you know you do eventually get used to it the same as you do with erp you know it's exactly exactly the same kind of process and um but you know, it's it's still there sometimes in the background that that kind of worry about public speaking. And uh, more recently, I decided to to try and push that back a little bit further, and did uh, some improv comedy. So, oh no! So yeah, so we had to do for the improv comedy, we had to do like a ten week course, um, and then at the end, we had to do a performance in front of uh, you know like fifty people in a, a small theatre. And it was absolutely terrifying. I was like, I felt sick, you know, for like two days beforehand. And on yeah. the morning, I really felt like just like giving in and not not turning up at all. But I knew I was going to let down my uh, the other people who were performing with me. So I kind of like, you know, I had to go along and, and do it. Uh, and it was when we were backstage and about to come on, it was it was the worst. You know, the anxiety mm. was peaking and. But as soon as I got on the stage and started performing, I had like that initial kind of hit of anxiety yeah. and adrenaline and everything else. But then it just it just calmed down and I was able to be like in the moment. I kind of somehow kind of had this mindful awareness where I just felt mm-hmm. really, really in the moment and, uh, you know, started performing. And people started laughing at the, at the jokes and it was like, oh, actually, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. And I started to enjoy it, you know, and and generally, like, that's what happens. And I think the more you're willing to put yourself in situations like that, like you say, it it starts to then uh, creep into other areas of your life as well. So even if it's not related to your particular obsession or or whatever, just facing your fears in a positive way, um, you know, it can be really, really helpful. And if you can find something like improv, it doesn't have to be improv, obviously, but if you can find something you know, where there's a group of people, maybe where you can kind of do something with a group that can be really helpful as well to have that peer support. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a, an OCD support group. Yeah, Uh, you were meeting once a month. But now since we haven't seen each other for a few months, but we were doing like group exposures. And it's so much more empowering to have other people with you, especially people who you know understand and who you know are definitely going to be just as, if or if not more, terrified than you are when it's their turn. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you feel like, okay, well, I have to do it. I can't let them down. And it just, like, holds you more accountable. 
Yeah. Because honestly, I haven't even done a freeway exposure since my group. It's been like a few months. And just driving down here to Tahoe, I I was a passenger. It was like a three-hour ride. I was at like a seven or eight when I, you know, I had gotten over it before. And so it's funny how like with ERP and OCD, if you like relax a little bit, sometimes manages to creep back in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is true. Um, I I noticed this. So I'm really into mountain biking, um, like uh, downhill kind of mountain biking. And if I don't go regularly, and kind of you know because some of the stuff you're doing is is quite it's quite intimidating you know mm-hmm. it's not that dangerous if as long as you kind of focus and you pay attention and you know what to do but it's definitely intimidating because it's very steep and there's trees in the way and you have to really pay attention to what you're doing yeah. and i notice if i don't go regularly then it's i'm not able to do the same stuff you know i i mm-hmm. the fear starts creep in and I kind of uh you know I wouldn't do something that maybe six months ago would have like would have done with no problem so it is yeah. interesting how that happens you know it's, it's it's frustrating in a way you kind of feel like okay I've overcome this now so that means I'm always going to be at this level but it's like no. unfortunately with life we have to keep facing our our fears yeah because yeah. when they say like habituating you kind of think that that might be a permanent state but it's more like you're in practice is what I like to call it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it for sure. So how, how do you think OCD has like impacted your life in, in general? God, I was just talking to my therapist about this. Mm. Uh, I feel like it has made so many of my decisions. Ever since I was younger, even as a teen, a teenager, I'm sure it kept me safe a lot of the times too. Mm. Um, But even big life decisions, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know where I would be if I didn't have OCD because it had, it was just so entwined with my identity and who I was. I thought my whole personality really was just OCD. I was like, well, I just love order or I hate camping. I just don't like camping. I just, um, (laughs) I just had all these rules. Like I just hate driving in the car. Okay. I don't actually hate driving in the car and going places. I really just like have an intense fear of vomiting suddenly or having the urge to vomit while I don't have immediate access to a bathroom. And a lot of times that's on long car rides. (laughs) So forever I like just didn't go to these places that were far okay yeah 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 and you know like I didn't see a lot of different things in nature because I was just like you know I just don't like it yeah but it turns out no you know I do actually like nature but the fear of like crazy things things that would never happen like getting killed by a serial killer on a hike okay like um or maybe being mauled by a bear when there's like very clearly no bears around like it was all these (laughs) things like Maybe I wanted to buy this certain pair of shoes and maybe I would have been more adventurous in my style, but my OCD just made it really hard for me to make decisions. So I'd be on my computer for three hours trying to buy one pair of shoes and I would just close it because I couldn't decide. It wasn't the perfect pair of shoes. You couldn't find the exact perfect ones. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That would like represent me in the most correct way or accurate Mm -hmm. way, you know, or 
all sorts of things. I didn't finish school because I was scared that it was the wrong choice in my whole life would be ruined because I chose the wrong major. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. This is really hard, I think, this this idea of choice. I think a lot of people really struggle with that who have OCD, you know, making the wrong choice and looking for that perfection in choice. But we all know that, you know, this perfection just doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really hard because we do feel like uh, with OCD, like you have to find it and you need to keep um, searching until you're kind of 100% sure that you found that. And so often the rumination is based on that, no? Like, um, I, I guess, like, you know, if, if harm OCD has been a, a big one for you, it certainly was for me when I was uh, younger. Yeah. You know, it's, it's when we're talking about these kind of themes, it's really hard to, to kind of leave a thought, you know, like, um, like undone, you know, kind of, you really feel like you have to have 100% certainty that you're definitely, definitely not going to hurt somebody. Uh, and you know, we can't get that certainty. We're looking, we're looking for that perfection and we can't get it. And this is, this is one of the main things I think that keeps people with OCD trapped. And it's a big part of the reason why mindfulness is so powerful because, you know, it enables you to kind of be in the moment and allow, like you were saying earlier, kind of allow that anxiety that you have about this you know, zero, 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 zero point one percent or smaller of this, like, you know, insignificant chance of anything happening. It's like, you know, you, you have this massive anxiety about something that is just so, you know, so small yeah. but be- be- because of the because of the perfectionist side of OCD, it, it somehow latches onto that, you know, and uh, it's so much of getting over it is is learning to be okay with uncertainty i've found you know kind of it, it's that's i think that comes down to to getting over ocd you know being being okay with with uncertainty it's not easy to do but it's no. but you can definitely do it yeah i mean it's a constant struggle constant yeah. practice like i used to think when I went in for OCD I thought oh if my OCD goes away I'll be able to be a better mom and that's all I want because that's the only way OCD has been affecting my life sorry you know literally every decision that I have ever made since I can remember that's been impacted by and I'm only now starting to realize just how deep how deeply my life was has been affected by OCD so yeah it's 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 so frustrating, isn't it? That like um, I I as well had exactly the same kind of thoughts as that for years. Of once once I've learned to uh, to deal with OCD and once it's gone, then I can get on with my life and then then I'll mm-hmm. then everything will be fine. And I think the the powerful message that you get from from therapy is that you know it's okay for the OCD to be there. You can still get on with your life whilst it's there. You know, and yeah. you'll be fine. And life, life can still be amazing. Life can still be great. You know, it's, it's, it's just OCD because when, when we have that attitude, it's like, oh, I, I can get on with my life and I can be happy. Yeah. So, uh, great. And uh, you mentioned that you, uh, you, you hate camping. Sorry, I just find it quite funny because I'm, I'm here camping today in a mountain. I, I liked it as a kid, 
I thought yeah. it was fun. Then somewhere I decided that I hated camping. And my husband loves camping. My kids love camping. Everyone loves right. camping, I think. Yeah, and I, I think, camping. Yeah, I think I would love it too, but I'm just so scared the entire time. Okay, it produces uncertainty for you somehow. Yeah, like this trip yeah. is a little better than the last. It gets better every year because every year we go camping a few times. So each trip, it's easier for me. Yeah. But this is the only trip where I haven't really been on the constant lookout for animals. Like I'm a little bit more relaxed, but normally I am just really aware. I'm talking to you, but I'm really looking out for a shadow of something or a rustling. If I hear a rustling, I'm looking for bears, coyotes, bobcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so what, it's really hard to relax. What wild animals do you have there in uh, California? All the things that I named. <laughs> you have them there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, yeah. and there's like signs everywhere. Be careful. Don't feed the bears. And I'm like, God. Okay, no one seems worried. I'll try not to be worried. But meanwhile, I'm like, this is so intolerable. Like, for weeks before we go camping, I'm always worried. Yeah, oh, I think no. this, is, this is one of the benefits maybe of living in Europe is that, um, you know, there's not really many of these types of animals left in the world at all. Uh, I, think, I think there are actually some Pyrenees bears. But, you know, there's maybe like, like there's so few that it, the, the chances of you coming across one are pretty much zero. Um, and the same with wolves, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, uh, I think, um, so I, I really like surfing and, um, you know, I did when I, I was uh, 21, I was in Australia uh, for a year traveling around in a, in a camper van and surfing in lots of different places. And you see a I, I was petrified of sharks because, you know, I grew up with uh, watching Jaws and all these kind of films. And, um, you know, we'd always heard um, on the news in the UK about kind of shark attacks in Australia and, and things like this. And so when I went out there, the first, uh, the first surf I, I went out, I was sat in the lineup waiting for the waves to come. And mm -hmm. I saw this fin pop up maybe about 50 meters away from me and just kind of was coming like towards me. So I turned around and I started like paddling back towards the shore and then looked over yeah. my shoulder and all the other surfers were just sat there. And, uh, and that's when I realized it was a dolphin. Because <laughs> OCD makes you think that it's like, it just jumps to the serious car. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go yeah. Back in the water. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 um, I think it's important, you know, to try not to let those things, you know, control control you although it is you know it is scary um because you know like the water in particular uh for me i i find it scary because you know you don't you can't see anything like if there's going to be a shark that's going to come and get you like you're not going to know anything about it until until it's too late <laughs> yeah yeah um and actually i was watching a surf competition uh, a few years ago and it was in uh south south africa it's the the world surfing tour and mm -hmm. there was a surfer mick fanning who was a world champion and uh he was attacked by a shark during during the event so i was literally watching this happen on the tv <laughs> and uh this guy uh, the shark um swims up to him and you see this giant shark fin mm -hmm. and uh, luckily the shark bites hold of the guy's leash um, like the rope okay. that attaches your foot to the board so you don't lose your surfboard 
and is pulling pulling the guy off his board and under the water and luckily the uh, the leash snapped and the uh, the shark just kind of swam away and and he was absolutely fine he was like he was perfect but it was you know it was a great white shark so he was incredibly lucky that uh you know it wasn't it wasn't a lot worse yeah. uh, anyway we're getting a little bit off topic here <laughs> i mean you know kind of on track with the animals yeah. the unpredictability yeah. yeah 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 it's related it's related so um so you uh you started to write a blog about your experiences with with ocd has, has that been helpful to kind of get everything down on paper and and you know share your experiences with other people well i thought i would be sharing more of myself on the blog but it turns out that i that's where i share most of the other mental health stories right um, and i love that aspect of it because my story is you know just one of so many and everyone's I'm finding that the more people I talk to everyone's OCD is different and if you don't really know you have OCD if you're not sure if you're not being treated for it it can be hard to know whether or not you have something unless you're reading something that is like exactly paralleling your experience yeah so I try to get as many different like versions of the same story basically as possible Mm. so that you know people can see themselves and find themselves in them. Um, So far I have like maybe only seven, maybe six, but I have a few more. um, And those stories are going to be people who have, um, you know, a little bit of a different experience. Like one of them grew up in Saudi Arabia and he was living with OCD. And so his parents didn't know what to do with that. Um, so that one should be interesting. And then, um, there's another woman, I think, I think she's Egyptian. I'm not really sure. I forget. There's been so many. And there's another Filipino lady. So just different voices, more people of color and just people who have different cultural backgrounds, I think is important because that really affects the way mental illness is viewed and how treatment is viewed. And, and I'm sure that you know, it varies greatly among cultures and religion too. So I'm excited about that part. Um, and I was featuring um, like different therapists just because I thought it would be fun to get to know some of the people that we're like listening to on social media. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So you are having different takes Your you're interviewing people from different cultures and and finding out their their different experiences and how how that may uh, affect their experience of OCD. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting uh, take on it. It's uh, definitely a good thing to do for sure. Um, and uh, have you come across any interesting therapists then that you've you've been interviewing as well for that that have that have a different slant on on how to manage OCD or a different take on it? Well. Recently, no, most of them are women. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them are from LA. And I think the majority, or at least half of them, have OCD or had OCD, yeah. and that's why they became therapists. So it's all kind of the same thing. Um, so I'd be curious to interview more therapists um, 
I don't know. It's just really hard to find people. And, you know, I don't want to just knock on everyone's door. Hey, can you let me interview you? But <laughs> it has been funny that most of the therapists have been women. I don't know why. I don't know if more therapists are women or not. But considering, like, a lot of the people who write books are males, I haven't run into a lot of male therapists. But maybe it's because there's a lot of women on my platform. Okay. Yeah. And how do you find um, being being a parent, like managing OCD and being a parent? Is that a difficult thing to, to manage? I imagine I think, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, where can we start? First of all, it's like really hard if you have kids to make time for OCD treatment. There's yeah. that level of mom guilt that says, well, maybe I don't deserve to spend this money on my treatment or to take this hour of time. Luckily, I do my teletherapy and I have been since I started because if not, I would have to drive and it would be a three hour trip. I'd have to find childcare. Yeah. Um, so if I do teletherapy, I only need childcare for the exact hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's a big benefit, trying, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to be present while dealing with constant intrusive thoughts and obsessions and a high level of anxiety and having to play with your kids and, and in being able to enjoy playing with them, you know, and then having to worry about whether or not, can they tell I'm anxious? Can they tell I'm detached? Is this going to affect them? Are they learning these behaviors from me? You know, um, there's a lot to manage. Like, for example, my son and my husband are out fishing right now. Very nice. <laughs> I made them get, I made them bring the bear spray and I'm like, please be careful. <laughs> I'm, I've come a long way. I used to not let my husband take my son anywhere far or anywhere dangerous or anywhere camping by themselves because I would be too scared that he would die. <laughs> like, yeah, and I mean, I, there could be some some killer fish in the uh, yeah, in the lake, right? you know, and, <laughs> and so I've had to like manage that just so that he can have fun and learn that life is exciting and not scary. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I can imagine that's difficult as a parent if you, you know, if you have a lot of anxiety, it's a hard thing to balance, but you're definitely, uh, you're definitely right in, in, in choosing to try to, you know, let him be out there and to do things that are adventurous, um, you know, a little bit of risk, managed risk mm -hmm. is, is a good thing. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I imagine as a parent, it's not always easy to, to allow them to go and do that, but you know, oh. the, the payoffs are huge. Especially like when I want to say, be careful for bears. If you hear anything, <laughs> tell your dad, you know, like having to just like bite my tongue and not say any of the like wild things that I'm scared about. Yeah. And what do you think is, are some of the most important things that you you've learned from, from having OCD? Because although it's horrible and that's really hard to deal with, you know, like you were, you were kind of referring to this earlier. You were kind of saying, you know, like I, I don't, I, you don't necessarily kind of um, hate the fact that you have OCD because you know that it's, you know, it's part of you. It's a part of your experience of mm -hmm. who you are as a person. And, you know, there's probably a lot about it, uh, particularly, you know, with your experiences of learning about mindfulness or, or whatever yeah. that have been really helpful. So what do you think are some of the good things that you've, you've learned from from dealing with OCD? Well, I do. A, okay, let's see. Well, having OCD, I, it's not all bad. You know, mm. I am able to, I understand what it 
feels like to struggle with something internally, you know, so I have a lot of empathy for people who are struggling with different mental illnesses or even, you know, addiction or grief. Yeah. Um, I know it's not easy to be there for other people too, when you're struggling so much, because sometimes with OCD, what you're, you're tr- problem is always so big it's so important that you can forget that you know people around you are also having feelings about certain things yeah um so I like that it's taught me that and also I love I'm as much as the attention to detail can be bothersome I kind of love that too because I feel like even though perfectionism isn't always good you know it still helps me do things that I want to do and I love that aspect of it and like Hmm. producing things that like um are to a certain standard you know but I've also I just like that it's brought me to therapy and I've gotten to know myself a lot more and have a certain self-awareness and a lot of insight so like when new things come up I can identify them quicker that makes sense I don't know if I answered the question. Absolutely. No, no, you did. You did. It sounds like, you know, you you are aware then of a lot of benefits because you you listed quite a few there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I certainly relate to um, some some areas you were kind of saying that, um, for example, uh, I, I've been making a, a video course for my website during the during the lockdown mm-hmm. and my perfectionism definitely came out for that so much yeah. so that it became a bit painful you know of having to take uh you know the, the videos again and again yeah. and again until i was happy with them and although that was you know kind of annoying some of the time it was also good you know because the videos are obviously much better uh, for mm-hmm. that reason you know so there is some give and take there you know that there are some kind of, you know sometimes there is a payoff uh to to being yeah. like this and also what you were just saying there as well about knowing yourself better, you know, being able to understand yourself better and maybe having a bit more self-compassion for yourself uh, when you are feeling like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so important that we have that. And when you can be compassionate to yourself, then you can be compassionate for other people as well and have more empathy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of things that you were saying, I think I, I, I really agree with. Um and when you when you are having a really difficult day, is there anything that you like to tell yourself or remind yourself that you think would also be helpful for other people maybe? When I'm having a hard day, because I've had like a couple of weeks ago, I had like a hard week and I... Yeah. Um, Often it I goes just, like that, no? Yeah. Yeah. I just remind myself that, you know, I have been able to tolerate a lot. I Mm. can handle a lot. This isn't the first time my OCD has decided to come on really strongly. And like, I mean, I'd like to say that I've pretty much had like two mental breakdowns already and I've come back from both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as hard as it can be, I can handle hard things. Like I've done it before. I do it a lot. I don't know. I just like to remind myself that at one point I 
wanted to be admitted into the hospital, you know, and I, I couldn't even function. I couldn't even, I didn't even know if the trees were real at one point. So if, if I can get past that and, you know, like have a great life most of the days during those hard days, I just know, I just like sit, sit with the fact that I can also get through whatever is going on today. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, that's a really important message that no, no matter how hard things get, you can, you can get through. And you, if you remind yourself of that, I, I think something I like to tell myself that is similar is that, you know, no matter what comes up, you, you will deal with it mm-hmm. you know, because it's very easy when you're kind of dealing with the obsessions to be like, Oh, I need to think about this and I have to kind of resolve it now or to think about the future. Like what happens, you know, if, um, something I used to do if there was like a, an important date coming up like a wedding or yeah. or, or something and be like oh what happens if the OCD like come like turns up on that day you know and that would be really frustrating so I won't be able to be there in the moment I'll be disassociated I'll be mm-hmm. like you know I'll be somewhere else and I won't be able to be there for the people I care about or you know whatever and you know it's very easy then to start ruminating about that and to get lost in that so I think to remind yourself of whatever comes up, whatever obsession comes up in the future, you know, that you will be able to deal with it. You, yeah. you, have, you have the skills, particularly if you've been working with mindfulness and, you know, maybe acceptance commitment therapy and, and you know, some of the skills that you get from, from, uh, from these things, then you do, you do have things that you can apply to any kind of future problem that you're going to have with OCD and having that knowledge and having, knowing that you you are capable that you you do have these skills and you do have these things that you can fall back on i think is uh is really helpful and it gives you a really positive uh mindset for for how to deal with ocd whenever it does come up yeah for sure as long as you have your toolbox and you remember that you can use mindfulness and you can use script writing you can even like maybe schedule another session with a therapist or something like mm. you have all these things available to get you out of a slump. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I think it's a pretty positive note to, to end on. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. And it's nice to meet you and wonderful to see that you're out in the wilderness with no <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have no worries about bears or wolves or anything yeah, yeah. certainly not coyotes we definitely don't have those <laughs> well thank you for having me that's been wonderful thank you remember if you want to know more about me you can check me out on instagram robert james coaching uk you can go and join the facebook group if you like the robert james coaching anxiety and ocd support group and also you can check out my website www.robertjamescoaching.com Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.